So we are all going into the new year with trepidation. Unpredictability was the name of the game in 2020. However, it does not mean that we can't set meaningful goals or that we can't look forward to things. The Neil Tums are currently at home with Bhutan into its second lockdown, which Tempu and Baro still are under. We have decided to remotely record those podcasts. Here's episode three. The Bhutan Financial Inclusion Focus Group Survey 2012 states that Bhutan is still very much a cash-based economy with informal savings culture and lending culture. Another report states that only 68% of adult population in Bhutan as of 2019 is banked. This means that there are many people who are underserved in terms of proper financial services. Moreover, Many of us do not understand what financial services are or how they benefit you. Here's Palmo with a story. So when I was in school, I wasn't able to differentiate between BOB and BNB. And if that was not stupid enough, I was so sure that RICBL and RSEBL were the same organization. Maybe I had assumed it as both their offices were and are still in the same location. But as a commerce student and as a resident of the capital, I was ignorant of my financial knowledge. I'm not ashamed to say this today because let's face the fact. As a generation, we have never really been given the equal emphasis on financial literacy as we had been done to other areas of curricula. And students will continue to lack the necessary knowledge and skills to become financially responsible adults if we don't act now. So I'm very happy today that all of us will be discussing and will be looking into the financial institutions and financial service providers currently present in Bhutan. But what are financial services? It is an organization, business or intermediary that offers financial services and advice. Basically, they help you move your money around or even give you money for productive purposes. In today's episode, we begin by covering banks, what they do and how well they do it. But there is one bank to rule them all, the central bank. The Royal Monetary Authority, or the RMA, is the central bank of Bhutan and they've been around since 1982. The RMA is an autonomous body that implements monetary policy Basically, they control the amount of money circulating in the economy so that prices don't become too high or too low. It is also the minting authority that issues currency and is a banker, advisor and financial agent to the government. But related to today's topic, the central bank supervises and regulates financial institutions and commercial banks. So. Pema Seldon answers the question, 
What are commercial banks? The Bank of Bhutan, the Bhutan National Bank, the Bhutan Development Bank Limited, the Druk Punjab National Bank, and the Tashi Bank are the five commercial banks in Bhutan. But what is a bank? When many people have surplus money that they are actively not spending, they want a safe place to keep it. They use a bank to do that. The bank in turn takes some of that money and gives it out as loans to people who want to start a new business or build a house. As these borrowers pay back the money to the bank, they also pay interest on it. That is some additional money on top of the amount that they had originally borrowed. The banks then keep some amount from the interest while also giving you some part of it as your reward for the money that was taken from you. So it's a win-win. If one day everyone at once decides that they want to withdraw their money, banks wouldn't have all the money that is deposited as they have given some of it or most of it as loans which haven't been repaid yet. This is when a bank collapses. It has happened during times of financial crisis. But the likelihood of this happening is quite rare and banks function on the assumption that this scenario will usually not occur. There are a variety of ways in which you can keep your money with the bank. In Bhutan, a savings account is the most common. It usually gives a pretty good interest of around 5% yearly, but you can also spend the money in the account to pay your bills. Another account that you could get is a recurring deposit where you commit to deposit a set amount every month in that account. A fixed deposit would be useful to you if you have a large chunk of money, say an inheritance that you don't know what to do with yet. You can deposit that entire amount at once in a fixed deposit, but you can't touch that money until a certain number of years which you agree to are over. Recurring and fixed deposits give you higher interest than savings accounts. As mentioned earlier, commercial banks give you loans or credit. However, it is often harder for younger people to get loans because you need collateral, something most commonly a piece of property that the bank can take away if you cannot pay back your loans. Commercial banks are heavily regulated by the central bank. Most notably, the central bank imposes reserve requirements on commercial banks. This means banks are required to hold a certain percentage of the money that their customers deposit at the commercial bank as a cushion if one day everyone decides to withdraw their money at once. Your bank also provides many other secondary services such as being the agent to buy and sell stocks for you or paying your insurance premium. They also provide utility services such as safekeeping of valuables such as documents or jewelry in a locker and vault, internet and mobile banking services, ATM card, credit card, debit card facilities, traveler's check and so on. So as Pema Seldon mentioned, commercial banks are an essential pillar of our lives as well as the economy. But what if we want to avail an essential service that a bank provides and you are not qualified to get one? I'm talking about a loan. So you remember that commercial banks, they ask for collateral while availing a loan and that some people may not have that or some people may not need a small loan. A micro loan, as the name implies, 
is a loan not exceeding Neutrum 500,000. It is completely collateral free. Microfinance institutions not only provide small borrowings, but they also accept deposits from their clients to encourage savings, especially for people living in grassroots communities. So there are five microfinance presently operating in the country. The first one is Tariana Microfinance. Then we have Renew Microfinance, Bawi Belgium. Bawi stands for Bhutan Association of Women Entrepreneurs. And then we have Bhutan Care Credit, also known as BCC. And lastly, Microfinance Bhutan Private Limited, also known as MBPL. So who qualifies for a microfinance loan? Let's take Karma, who is a recent graduate and plans to start farming in her village. She can apply for an agriculture loan or a business loan from any one of the microfinance. Remember that you can get a microfinance loan if you intend to use the money towards a productive end, like starting a business or buying something that will support income generation for you. It is better for karma to take a loan from a microfinance rather than a commercial bank since A, the loan is completely collateral free meaning you can borrow money without providing any guarantee. And since the loans are collateral free, group lending is also being offered to reduce lenders' risk on such unsecured loans. The interest rates on loans are also comparatively lower than commercial banks. Lastly, the compliance officers of these microfinance, they visit door to door or even visit at the nearby area to collect or give money, which appears to be very beneficial for karma as rural communities in the country are scattered all over the place. And apart from agriculture and business loans, they also provide education, housing, emergency loans to rural livelihood and the youth. Interestingly, they even have power dealer loans, armed forces, personals and spouses loans and a COVID-19 response business relief loan but they aren't just restricted to loans they also allow regular deposits from their clients in their checking and savings account they are known as deposit taking microfinance institutions whereas the rest they only provide loan facilities which is why they are called non-deposit taking microfinance institutions I personally believe that with the introduction of microfinance, the gap between the rich and poor, the rural and urban communities, and between the literate and the illiterate are being reduced and addressed. In this process, the microfinance institutions, they are also protecting the illiterate and vulnerable microclients from abusive lending practices. And speaking of abusive lending practices, This brings me to my next uh, topic, which is private money lenders. So RMA has also initiated licensing of authorized private money lenders so that they are regulated to protect the borrowers from unethical practices and also to protect themselves against huge risk. Private money lending, as the name implies, is a business where private lenders, they borrow money to an individual. They can lend a minimum of neutral 90,000 
and a maximum of nuldrum 500,000 to a single borrower. So if I were to lend 30,000 to a friend, I need not be licensed or authorized as a private money lender because for me to be one, I need to lend my friend more than 90,000 nuldrum. And although it is always preferable to get loans from an institution, if you are looking for a faster way to receive loans with fewer paperwork and flexibility in the terms and conditions of the loan, then private money lenders authorized by the central bank can be an option for you to choose. Additionally, the interest that is charged on the loan, they do not exceed more than 15% per annum, thereby seeking interest in favor of the customers and the public. And currently there are only two private money lenders, one in Paro and the other one in Timpu. They are both existing in the most urbanized areas of Bhutan. We thought we'd include a section on banks that provide loans specifically to capitalize cottage and small industries in Bhutan. These banks are non-deposit taking as Jigmi who will be covering the section mentions which means that they exist solely for borrowing at an affordable rate. Now we'll talk about the CSI Bank. It is a state-owned non-deposit taking bank established to promote as its name suggests cottage and small industries in the country. What are cottage and small industries? They are the majority of the businesses in our country, your local tonka to farmers producing milk and other small manufacturers for example, people who manufacture handicrafts for tourists or insisting like a pay. The CSI sector is recognized as one of the most important sectors in our country because 95% of businesses fall in that category. The mandate of the bank will be to enhance access to financing and diversifying the economy through promotion of cottage and small industries. The bank will also have the provisions to support the export and and overseas employment financing. What does that mean? As we all know, all businesses require cash to function and that is especially true for businesses that have just started out. So what does the CSI bank do? So the CSI bank provides easier access to capital required. How do they do that? They have a lower interest rate compared to a commercial banks and have less requirement for collateral. Uh, which is land and other assets uh, which they use to guarantee your loan they also have specific schemes to support expo- exporters to provide access to finance when they are exporting our goods to other countries especially uh, we have a lot of seasonal exports for example exports of oranges right now uh, if we didn't have covid-19 so what are the products they offer they currently have uh, several loan products with the best interest rate in the market because Uh, they plan to ease access to financing uh, i have three products at the moment non formal rural financing uh, the interest rate is 5% per annum uh, and uh, they loan up to nuldrum 500000 for our citizens in rural bhutan for their business projects the second product is cottage industry financing the interest rate is 7% per annum up to nuldrum 5 billion which is 50 lakh for cottage industries uh they could be businesses that run out of people's houses uh, for where they make potato chips for example and the third product is small industry financing which is 7% per annum up to 10 million for small industries 
Pinto, who will share about the Credit Information Bureau and why it's an important financial service that you should know about. So one day you go to a bank to avail a loan, right? So at the, at some point in our life, majority of our Bhutanese um, citizens will be doing this. But before the bank gives you the loan, they have to look into your credit history, which is given. Like the banks don't just hand out cash. So this credit history will include all the previous loans that you availed to see if you've paid all of them back, uh, to see if you pay the money back regularly and on time and to determine if you can be trusted in the future to pay back the loan. So to get all of this information, this is where Credit Information Bureau of Bhutan comes in, or in short, you call it CIB. So the Credit Information Bureau of Bhutan, it basically is a central body which collects, compiles, and consolidates credit information. So basically it does three Cs, collects, compiles, and consolidates credit information. CIB can produce credit reports on individuals or in, on commercial entities such as private businesses. Currently, the Credit Information Bureau of Bhutan provides credit information report and they also have plans to come up with credit scoring, which is, which is quite exciting. A credit information report, so let's talk about that. Credit information report is basically a comprehensive credit report that provides a very detailed view of a person or an entity's credit history. So this is very useful. As we said before, this is used to see your trustworthiness. So in this credit information report, what does it include, you may ask? Number one, it'll include your demographic information. This includes your name, citizen ID, date of birth, addresses, all the regular stuff. Number two, your credit information, of course. Accounts at all the different banks, the amounts that you availed or sanctioned, when the amounts were sanctioned so basically sanctioned date the total amount the outstanding amount amount in areas all that good stuff number three other information so this information is gleaned from public records including bankruptcy filings court judgments possible possibly arrest or conviction related to financial fraud so as you can see these are the red alerts these are basically the danger signs that incline towards a person not being trustworthy Number four. So number four is basically inquiry information. So this will include number of inquiries made by consumer and the commercial entity for a particular credit facility or the reasons for making the inquiry and all this stuff. All right. So we said they're coming up with credit scoring system, right? So a credit score is basically a number that is produced based on a person's credit file to represent the credit worthiness of an individual. So it's very simple. Credit worthiness means how trustworthy you are as a borrower. Your credit score affects how easily banks can lend you money and the amount of interest that you pay. This concept is very predominant in the US. Like at some sometimes your house owner or land landowners they even ask you for your credit score before they actually rent out their houses. So this is so this is how important credit score is. But bringing credit score back in context of Bhutan I think that introduction of credit scoring in Bhutan will have so many benefits. Like, first of all, credit score is your is an indication of your financial health, right? So, hopefully, this helps Bhutanese in financial management. Secondly, credit scoring may also remove the need for people to have collateral while getting loans, which will further improve access to finance because collateral is one of the biggest hindrances to getting um, loans, right? 
All right. So at this point, you're very eager to get your credit report. So what can you do? So you can actually get a credit report from the CIB office in Thimphu. You may ask, why would you want that? You should get a credit report because someone may have already gotten a loan in your name that you are not aware of. Hopefully, like this doesn't happen too often. There are cases where kids who have loans taken out by their parents without their knowledge. At this point, you're wondering, so how do I get my credit report? How do I check if someone has availed a loan in my name? You have to submit a form manually to CIB office, which is only in Thimphu, sadly. And also, their process hasn't been digitized yet, so you would have to physically come and submit the form. We we're hoping that they digitize it soon because it's very important to make it as accessible and easy for people to access their credit information report. And after getting your credit information report, if you think that there are errors or stuff that can be fixed, uh, basically errors that they've been made or mistakes, you can actually dispute them. So there's a dispute resolution process as well. So just in general, to sum it all up, Credit Information Bureau basically provides a very detailed information or credit information on you, which can be used to determine if you're if you are if you are a trustworthy person before uh, availing loans or all the stuff. Finally, we have Shujana. Who will delve into a financial product that we all may have heard of, but not know what it really is or how it works, as she says. So at some point in life, we start to realize that insurance is all around us. Whether we are buying our first car or renting our first apartment, we have to learn about how insurance work and what insurance companies do pretty quickly, right? So before we start talking about insurance, we need to know these terms uh, to have a clear understanding of how insurance works. Number one, policyholder. A policyholder buys and subsequently owns the insurance policy. So if you're buying insurance, that's you, the policyholder. Number two, insurer. A person, a person or company that underwrites. Uh, that means takes on an insurance risk. So when you buy insurance for, say, RICBL, for example, they are your insurer. You will be the policyholder, and they can they will be the insurer. Number three, policy. The contract, the contract detailing the terms and conditions of what is insured, in what circumstances, is called as policy. We will cover that later. Number four, premium, an amount you pay to the insurer for the insurance, usually on a monthly basis, is called as premium. And the last and the fifth term is claim. An insurance claim is a formal request by a policyholder to the insurer for coverage or compensation for a loss or policy event that is covered by the insurance policy. There are two primary types of insurance: property and casualty insurance. And health and life insurance, but due to the free healthcare in Bhutan, there currently aren't any health insurance policies in the country. So, uh, how does an insurance work? First, insurers ask for premiums, which is the monthly payment made by the policyholder to the insurance company. How much premium you pay is determined by a process called as underwriting, where the insurance company uses a variety of factors, including your credit score, insurance history. Age, 
level of coverage and location etc to de- determine the likelihood of the risk the higher the chance that you might suffer a loss or file a claim the higher your premium might be second it is not unreasonable to think of insurance as a group of people putting money in a collective pot if you sign up for a policy with an insurance company and use it to cover your car insurance your money goes to the same place as anyone else who uses that insurance company since it's not that everyone who has a car insurance will meet with an accident at the same time the insurance company is able to offer coverage to everyone sharing risk also lowers the premium rate However, what qualifies as a loss can be extremely broad and most insurers and insurance companies will only cover specific losses identified to your insurance policy. Therefore, it's essential to read your policy beforehand very very carefully. Sometimes, should you experience loss covered under your policy, you may be required to pay for a part of the loss from your own pocket. before the insurance will step in and cover the remaining cost of your loss for example if you experience an earthquake your home insurance may cover only 50% of the cost called as deductible for renovating where you have to pay the rest by yourself policy holders usually have some control over the highs or the lows their deductibles are and those rates may also influence the cost of the monthly premium So the million dollar question should you get an insurance policy well on the fundamental level insurance companies are safety nets to help protect you in the event of unpredictable personal losses so the more you can protect yourself from these events the better right um if you have a car it is definitely worth insuring yourself considering that we know cars break down or god forbid you have an accident Since we assume that our listeners are mostly within the age bracket of 16 to 32 years old, um if you don't have children, you can put off getting life insurance. If you have children or dependents, it is worth getting life insurance. If you're paying insurance premiums, you can also claim it as a tax deductible, meaning that you get back some of the income you're initially taxed to make up for paying the premium. Currently in Bhutan, there are two insurance companies. Number 1 the Royal Insurance Corporation of Bhutan Limited RICBL and Bhutan Insurance Limited So the more you understand how financial services work the more you can use them for your benefit be it a safe place to stash your cash for a small earning getting a safety net for those rainy days lending to fund your first business or to get a credit health checkup Next episode, we will talk about a different type of financial service. Something that makes your money bigger, more money. Investments and the stock market. Stay tuned.